squadra senza età. Juve, Juve, cara gloriosa società. Today, I'm proud to officially launch the Juventenita Back to Black and White podcast. I know it's been a long few months for everyone, and I hope to add something enjoyable for all the Juve fans. Um, I'm hoping to bring you back to Juve's past, talk about the present, and hopefully dream of the future. For about 20 years, I've been lucky enough to be able to support and be a part of this great club with all of our great fans, watching many great moments, trials, tribulations sadness joy and i just want to bring another outlet to the fans with the fans to tell you the story of la juventus um some people might say why another uv podcast well i'm hoping to educate others as well as myself about our great club and the black and white stripes as well as learning about what this club means to so many other great fans uh nostalgia i'm getting older plain and simple i hope to bring to light the many great and some not so great moments in the club's history in detail. So that allows for our younger fans and the newer fans, you know, especially those Ronaldo fans, they need to uh, feel the same passion we do. And I think this is hopefully the start Uh, and quite simply just to voice my opinion. Hopefully most of the time it's positive, but you know, we get in those moments negative and uh, I hope to keep my sanity throughout the following seasons. And um, even with all the winning so far, there seems to be a clear divide in the club's fan base on what it means to be a fan. So, you know, this is the fir- my first podcast on my own, and I've been on someone's someone pretty special's podcast multiple times now. And, uh, you know, let's start this one off with a bang. And 
now we're able to present one of the best podcast hosts, if not the best, uh, UVA podcast out there. And uh, I have the pleasure of having on my first podcast, the host of the 2019 Around Turin Best Podcast, the man of the people, the man of the fans, Alberto of all UVA cast and Striped Hearts Apparel. What's going on, man? It's great to have you. Hey, brother. It's uh, an absolute honor to be a part of your uh, first pod, man. Um, I'm like a look at this shirt. Beautiful, man. No, uh, I'm like a proud uh, papa here uh, today, man. Uh, it's like uh, I've had you as a guest so many times, man. I love uh, the fact that we can speak so freely to one another. Um, and it's left at that. It's us chatting Juve. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's awesome to see you start this up. Uh, I've always, uh, I have a huge appreciation. Everyone can imagine because I know how much time it takes and how much effort. Um, but uh, you've given me nothing but support from the start. And I will do the same in return. Um, because the more content we provide you and Tini with uh, is just better for everyone you want to educate them on the history the nostalgia i love it i think it's fantastic so really really excited thank you again for having me on on episode one and man you i might uh turn into a trivia question here who's your first guest <laughs> once you're out there rolling by yeah, the there way, we go oh, an intro man geez i should have you around all the time as my hype guy man thank you well, on, honestly, it seems like it's taken forever to get this thing going. And uh, yeah, I know it. I definitely appreciate all of the work that all these other podcasts are doing because it's just, uh, you know, it, it's a lot from from someone who isn't in this, let's say, background. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was, like I said, it just as soon as I did the first podcast with you, it was just, it seems maybe that in, in negative times builds builds great bonds and uh we weren't doing so well and we kind of were i thought we gelled pretty good so yeah no it was it was a hell of a lot of fun so i said well hey why not try try it myself but speaking of the merch some of the sickest merch out there in the game and we got the other shirts let's get those let's let's uh let's do some hype you know that beauty claudio claudio and we got the the loyal brothers yeah so yeah guys those are flying off the shelves so make sure you get in contact with alberto and you'll get some six stickers some beautiful del piero photos and stuff like that and he's just you've been putting in the work you know you got these these videos on youtube and you've been doing a great job thanks man yeah it's uh just just grinding away uh um Anything for the Juventini, man. Um, you know, the shirts just come about because uh, I have a very close friend of mine who has a clothing company. And um, he offered me an opportunity to make my own kind of designs for fun. Whatnot. And I thought, man, what a great thing if I could tie this in, you know, with the podcast and the community that we have and build something for all of us. So I said, rather than me, you know, making my own shirts, how about juventini get to design the shirts and we get to pick on designs that we want to see go into production um and have our own line of apparel for the fans i thought that would be just awesome and yeah i mean uh so far it's been great and uh i thank everybody for the support and reaching out and yeah it's been going very very strong and i look forward to uh some cool uh new designs and drops coming out uh soon yeah i know i definitely look forward to uh 
to seeing those. Uh, but yeah, no, one of the reasons I want to, obviously, Del Piero, my favorite player, that's no surprise. Um, and unfortunately, he has had some problems with some kidney stones. So I just wanted to quickly say Forza Ale and uh, hopefully we, you get a smooth recovery. I know it is a pretty painful uh, experience and ordeal. But uh, yeah, I know hopefully uh, he gets back up and better, better than ever. But uh, And then also, I'd just like to say to everyone, um, I hope... Uh, some condolences to anyone who's lost anyone in this time of the coronavirus and uh, just hope everyone's doing well and not too stressful, maybe finding some new passions and, uh, you know, just trying to make the best situation out of uh, this tough time and hopefully we can get back to normal as soon as possible. So yeah. speaking of coronavirus, uh, let's get into this. We've had it now a suspended season. Now they've moved the... Uh, the uh, the last day, I guess, of the suspension to June 14th, 2020. Um, cases have been significantly dropping in Italy and deaths are also under 100 a day, which is great to hear. Um, in Canada, it really hasn't, I would say it's been bad, but it hasn't really come close, which is, thank yeah. God for that. And um, yeah, so just what are your thoughts? Like, should we restart the season, um, cancel it? What do you think, Albert? Al? I mean, if it's uh, if it's safe to do so, I say let's get the season done. Like, let's play it through as long as it's uh, safe to do so. Um, some of the um, reports were speculating that uh, after the group training session begins, commences, and they get closer to the season, one positive case, and they'll actually shut things down. Um, if it was going to be that strict... You know, for me, why even bother? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Strict. I think one case is inevitable. Um, I think if, uh, oh man, I, I mean, if it's safe to do so, just continue the season, get it done. I don't think Italy, like Syria, can afford any champion with an asterisk. You know, yeah. um, if you're gonna have a champion with an asterisk, you just gotta shut it down. Could you imagine if it was Juve? With an asterisk, I mean, we we just don't need it, right? So, sul yeah. campo, sul campo. Yeah, I think we just uh, ride it out and see as long as the numbers stay manageable. But I mean, to say that one positive case amongst it is going to shut everything down, I think that's uh, unrealistic because one's going to be inevitable. These guys have been uh, isolated at home. Uh, nobody's been really, truly getting. Not everyone has been getting tested. Um, and then we also know that there's people that can have it and be carriers that are not showing any symptoms. So, I mean, just to say you're not going to get one, I don't see it happening. But yeah. I think it's very important for them to uh, try to finish the season. I mean, uh, from a financial standpoint and just to try and carry things on or shut everything down and you essentially start the next season off as this particular one right but then it gets kind of interesting because what happens with contracts um you know and yep. there, there's just so much uh that changes that i think it's just easier if they could find a way even if they have to squeeze things in just to get it as long as it's manageable because the champions league schedule is outrageous it actually is outrageous yeah. trying to finish that off in three weeks is it's too much it's it's too much. Two months two months break. Yeah. <laughs> I and know it's been tough other, and guys are in training and but Yeah. 
the other thing that kind of comes to mind for me is what happens if a player you know has to be isolated and whatnot that player isn't available to this team what kind of a disadvantage depending on the player is this giving to that club and yet you're still trying to continue so there's just a lot of uncertainty man it's really really tough to say how this thing's gonna pan out but I mean, yeah, they're they're gonna have to make these decisions beforehand, and I don't see that happening because we all know how organized they are there. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, because I mean, these are things; these are the questions they should be asking right now. Oh, you know, exactly. what ifs and hash it out. What if DiBala can't play for Juve? Are they still participating? Do we still continue on with the league? Because that's a huge loss, right? Like, you take a key guy from a team, now all of a sudden he's gone 14 days, but you want to get the rest of the games going. Man, it's still going to be an asterisk, depending on what happens. So you just got to avoid that, right? Yeah, I I think what's going to happen is there's, to be honest, I think there's always going to be an asterisk. It's like uh, in the NHL when they had the lockout season and some people still dispute Chicago's cup winning. Yeah. Um, but like, so again, I don't think that I think that's unavoidable. One thing we need, I think we have to kind of either cancel this season and then we might have to move next season because there's no reason why we're not going to get one case now or we're going to get a case in August or a case in September. Yeah. So they got they got to be really careful. Testing needs to be like mandatory and frequent. And you know, I, I think. A lot of the times, I think there's a lot of backlash and people are like rightly so that they don't want this because they don't want certain people to get hurt. And, you know, like older, older um, people are at risk. Right. We know that. So and people with with certain conditions. So. But at the end of the day, we have to move forward. It's going to we have to make the tough decisions and we also have to know that we're going to have to work harder than we have ever worked worked before because. Uh, at the end of the day, it, again, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's now or at the end of the year. Who knows if we're ever going to get a vaccine? Vaccine? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. That'll make it a lot easier. But I think it's still going to be very difficult. And what, like, what did you think of the uh, the Bundesliga's uh, start again? Well, kind of weird, eh? Hey, how they had like the well, bench, the players on the bench, two meters apart when they well, should all be tested. Talk about it. Um just exactly highlighting what we were just discussing. Like, I mean, what are you really going to do? I mean, these are all the what ifs you have to ask at the end of the day, you're playing a contact sport. Um, you know, like the goal celebrations, they can't go near each other. They're sitting meters away on the bench, but it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you're shoulder to shoulder with guys like, uh, playing a physical sport it makes no sense right um so it's it's bizarre it's bizarre to watch right and Uh, then in terms of i think the players like you're mentioning i think what we're gonna have to do is just accept the fact that you know if i know it's gonna be hey if dibala goes down it's gonna be horrible but i think if we are gonna move on with the season we just have to be like you know what it is what it is get the season done with and again there's going to be certain risks that are going to have to be taken. And again, like the questions are going to have to be asked. And like you said, it doesn't seem like there's a competent decision-making uh, process. I mean, they moved it, moved it one day for, I don't know what reason. Yeah. It's not on the same page. Right. Um, 
you know, government and then FIGC, like it's just everything's, yeah, there's just back and forth and nobody's uh, on the same page just making a decision and making the stand and saying this is what it is, like definitively, right? So I don't know, it, it'll be... It'll be a gong show. I mean, I, I would never expect anything out of uh, Syria to come uh, easily and smoothly. <laughs> but it, but I, it, it was to see, it was nice to see the, the Bundesliga. I'm not going to lie. I mean, and even UFC did three events uh, just this past week. And it was, to be honest, for me, it was just, it was awesome to get back. I know it was, it was tough and they did a great job, but it was, it was actually really nice to see some sports again. Oh, for sure. I was watching a goddamn uh, EMLS tournament just because I was, like, hurting to watch sports so bad. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, like I say, if we can do it, let's do it. So we were speaking about how things might not be normal. How do you think, let's say, this transfer, you know, there's been a lot of transfer news, and are they just going to continue on with the the transfer season as, as usual? I guess for now they are, but um, that could change depending yeah. on how things play out, if the transfer market's going to open or not. What do yeah. you think? It's going to depend on, uh, yeah, exactly what happens. If they continue on, if they can wrap the season up, or do they put a freeze on and then continue later and just call the season a wash, right? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that uh, all pans out. Uh, all the speculation leads to the, you know, Obviously, they're banking on the season being completed and having a transfer window. Um, we know that these clubs are losing a lot of money. Um, the last report I saw for you, it was 122 million euros uh, lost revenue, and that's factoring in the 90 million euros that uh, they saved on wages, on guys taking cuts. Um so we know there's going to be swap deals. Um, there'll probably be one, maybe two, if it's uh, a bargain uh, outright purchases, I think, um, for Juve. But the rest is going to be swap deals. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like the season is just running its course with all this, with all the amount of news that we've been getting. It's It's been actually crazy to see yeah. that. There's been rumors out out the uh, the yin yang about who's coming, who's going, who said that they've wanted to come, like De Bruyne. Uh, then the Arthur saga, Rabio not it's, wanting to come back. It uh, it makes sense. I mean, it, there's, I mean, you have to be proactive. I mean, you have to anticipate what the possible outcome is and be prepared. So. I'm not surprised actually at all that there's this much news as far as links with players and, you know, figuring out what they're going to do. It, it kind of makes sense because it's definitely not going to be a normal transfer window. That's for sure. Um, and they know, they know the money that they've lost throughout this. Um, and all the teams are kind of in the same boat. So yeah, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. And the other thing is too, like, there was uh, some Juventini, uh, well, actually throughout this whole past two, three weeks that I've been saying, um, they find it so bizarre and it looks like our transfer Mercado right now has no direction. Well, it that makes sense to me that it looks like that because they have to cover their bases. Because when you're dealing with swap deals, 
I mean, when you look at what UV's got to offer in swaps, it's yeah. not the best, right? So somebody could exactly. come in and, and scoop the deal like that, right? Um, so yeah, it makes sense that they're looking at multiple different options. And the whole Archer thing, I actually posted today. I think um, the reason the rumblings have begun to kind of seem make it seem like Tonali is going to hit the Merda is because um, I just think that uh, if Arthur does agree, you is going to back out of Tonali. And to oh, me, man. it should. To me, that's to me they shouldn't. But I have a feeling that that's how they're playing it out. So I I I I have I came up with you know some names obviously but that's a great point right Tonali and if you think about it like you said Sensi Barella some names why does it seem like we continually miss on highly rated players is it just that you know we're not planning the plan the management isn't really planning properly or is it just that you, I mean, Juve. Obviously, Juve is a tra- an attractive destination. It just seems like these Italian players, you know, we're not in the in the discussion, or we drop out for whatever reason. And I don't know if that's a mixed message from the club or just not offering the right, not being professional. Let's say. I, I think because um, I know I know your opinion on Holland. So, and oh, yeah. right, <laughs> and. Um, and you know, is it just it not, seems like oh, is, that, is sorry is that not coming to fruition though what i said we were literally passing up on this guy not being able to promise halan minutes because of a guy that we've tried to push away two seasons in a row and now we're going to push him away for probably two prospects who aren't even close to halan how yeah. hilarious is that well it's just and i know i've mentioned this like multiple times on your podcast you know, especially when we played Ajax. You know, Ajax is a team that they have to have faith in their youth because they don't, let's say, have as much money as the other clubs. So they, they, they're they forced, basically. And they've traditionally had an academy that's produced uh, superstars. So, but they have the faith. Like, I remember in the second half, they were throwing on guys you've never heard of before. And they've had complete faith into going into a second-leg Champions League quarterfinal and to get the job done Juve traditionally has never been that way and I think we really need to change because we're losing a lot of guys uh that are were on our team well that could be there's a two-fold answer why we're losing a lot of talented guys but and a lot of guys that aren't necessarily coming so if if we're to lose on Tonali that is going to be a huge blow especially for the amount of money that is being talked about it's 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 crazy yeah, I think there's a couple things we have to um, look at, right? Um, it's just management uh, in general of contracts and salaries. Um, you know, to miss out on a guy like Holland because, and all the Juventini that were like fighting me on that were saying the same thing. We can't give him the time. And I said, why can't we promise this kid the time he needs for half a season? I was like, we were halfway through the season. I said, so you're telling me now you'd rather say, no, we can't give you the time because of Iguain, who's probably going to be gone at the end of the season anyways, that makes zero sense to me. Um, promise him that time, 
don't worry about Higuain because he's going to go anyways. And, you know, I'm sorry if that affects people like loyalty wise because of what he's given us and whatnot and all a lot of great memories. But we have to be realistic in the fact that Higuain, if they could have, wouldn't have even been with us this season. Yeah. You know, if they if they weren't handcuffed with him, he wouldn't have even been there. So now to turn down Halan on playing time because we're going to because we have Higuain who you've tried to move two seasons in a row, you're going to move him at the end of this anyways because you're completely locked. Like you have to yep. get wage off the books. That's crazy to me. That's backwards business. Now, yep. when we talk about Tonali, uh, Sensi, Barella, like the Italian players, like here's, and I, we've discussed it and whatnot, but we're losing our ties with the Azzurri, and I feel it is because of the fact that we would rather go with a bigger name and a name outside of Italy to draw in more um, attention or international attention. Yeah. Exactly. Right. More exposure uh, from different regions or uh, fans from different parts of the world. And we've never actually been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've always had close, close ties with the Azzurri and we are going this way. And the like, I can just, you can see it because there's no reason we can't pick up some of these guys. They're better transfer deals, even if you're yep. talking about a free. If you're going to go out and get a free, well, now all of a sudden we just everything we save, we pay out the yin yang because of the salaries, right? Whereas Barella would have been an instant boost, Stefano Sensi would have been an instant boost at a time where we needed midfielders desperately, and they would have been sure thirty to forty mil, but the wage would have been way less than what we've given Rabio and Ramsey, right? So yep. it's just, to me, the only thing I could think of is we're starting to look at those names and the marketing side of it, and we're missing out on some of the deals we should be going after. Um, I think you have to have a good balance of it all. There's nothing wrong with getting the names, you know? But I do feel like sometimes we ignore the most important thing, which is the actual team you're building on the pitch. Whereas back in the day, you know, and I know you want to get into a nostalgia thing and, and talk about the past. That's one thing you could always bank on in the past. We were building for what we had on the pitch. It had to make sense on the pitch, you know? Um, And you always had these guys that Juve would pick up, but they would fit. Um, Lippy, Lippy was the best at it. He talked oh, about yeah. it all the time. Lippy said it was all about the the what they had on the pitch. He goes, you cannot have a pitch full of the same elite calories. Like you can't. Yep. You you have to have your Contes, you know, at the time. Not anymore. Yeah. You have to have your, you know, your. <laughs> you have to have your Takinardi, your Deschamps. Like you, you, you just you have to have that, right? Well, and you, right now, I feel like it's just—it's a little scattered. It's like we just—we want guys with, uh, yeah, even Blaze Matuidi. Like, I mean, when we look back on signing Blaze Matuidi, like the way they try to sell him off, like we signed World Cup winning Blaze Matuidi. But I mean, my God, man, I—I I just I don't. It didn't make sense at the time with the other names that were floating yeah, around yeah. and whatnot. I'm just like Blaze Matuidi. You know, yeah. and he's trying to sell it to us because we got him from PSG or something like that's supposed to mean something to Juve. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's unfortunate because like again a big topic you know it, oh, it seems uh, always be under discussion now is the management decisions right these contracts and i think a lot of the time we're putting our foot in our mouth by i don't know if it's just the fact that they're trying to be like marotta but like using with Paratici because if you look at these free transfers, they weren't again, like you said, it could be a brand thing and internet. Like obviously we brought someone from Wales, from France. Um, but it almost looks like they're trying to like juggle a horrible financial like situation. Whereas in you look at like we're getting rid of some of our great talents because we've signed stupid contracts. So we've allowed Matuidi to get an option. We've signed Mandzukic for a season. I'll even say it now, and I know a lot of people have, we've signed Tech to an extension of $7 million. We've signed Iguain to, let's say, a questionable contract. We've, and, it's, it's get, and then what we'll do is we'll have to play the Plus Valenza game where we'll have to balance everything else. So that means we have to get rid of Moise Keane and we have to get rid of uh, Pellegrini yeah. And Spinazzola, because we have to play this circus of making the numbers look good, and then that just screws us because we're not fit. We're not fitting. We're trying to fit financially, not necessarily fit a system. And then you got to blame the management too because they waited to sign Sari two weeks before uh, the season starts. So it's just like it's just the uh, domino effect almost. Some of the extensions, I mean, I'm fine with. I mean, I think I think you just you really got to look at position. You got to look at longevity. You got to look at the guy, what he's given to you. Ultimately, for me, an extension would have to tie into production. Um, if that guy is consistent, whatever. That's why I didn't really have an issue with the tech one, honestly, because at that position you could play a long time, anyways. And he's been solid for us. He's been better than he's been at any other club, right? For sure. I agree uh, with that. Some of the other ones, yeah, I mean, no, there, there's issues there. I mean, look at, look at what happened with Mandzukic, man. Um, you yeah. know, we had to, I think we had to pay uh, for that team to take him. Um, yeah. And no disrespect to Mandzukic, I love him, but he, he didn't, it, it, you just you can't hand out extensions like that. Kadira one was awful, just awful. And meanwhile, we still have, we're finally trying to lock in Dybala after trying to push him away. So when people really want to say that the management is doing fantastic and they're doing great, all I can think about in my head is we tried to push Paulo Dybala hard last summer. That to me is an epic fail. That is a highlight of failure um, because that shows just how handcuffed you made yourself that you are trying to actually sell Paulo Dybala. That's mind-boggling to me. Um, and that right there highlights it on its own. I love the club. Um, does the management, uh, have they made some great pickups? Sure. But they've also made some brutal, brutal decisions when it comes to contracts and the salaries they hand out. Yeah, no, I think we've, I think we've taken for granted winning uh, over the past nine years. And we thought that we could get away with doing all these free transfers and signing some because really we had no competition and now it's just it's backfiring because then you add a signing like i know we're in this podcast particularly we're not going to get into ronaldo because that 
I could go on forever, but you add that amount of money coming in, that salary, and it just makes the whole situation, even though there are benefits to having him, like there's a lot of benefits to having him, but it also puts a lot of pressure on us doing really well, really quickly. And it just exacerbates all the mistakes that we've made in other other parts of the, the team. So. I, I think uh, with the Ronaldo thing, I mean, you know, we've discussed it a lot. And I think at the time we all believed, and I think we were right to believe um, that we were probably that piece away, you know? we were consistently making it deep in champs and all of a sudden you get the ultimate champions league player, you know, you get this sense of belief and you think, yeah, that's going to be that missing cock. All of a sudden Allegri stays on, um, you start playing, nothing changes. If anything, you almost regress. Right. Um, and it's frustrating and hindsight, you start looking at it. Could that money been spread out? Sure. But at that time, I don't think any one of us would have said no to Ronaldo. You know what I no. mean? Like I, I just don't think you can do that at that oh, time. Yeah. You're, you're, in hindsight, in hindsight it's always twenty twenty. Yeah, but what it did was it just showed us, you know, like were we essentially just overachieving with the club we had? You know what I mean? Like it just Fair like point. it kind of just makes you think, like, man, were we really just the king of grinding? You know, and just like. We, we just, like, we're just pulling this out, uh, you know, in these constant late European, uh, you know, Champions League uh, finishes. We were just grinding it out and shouldn't have really been there because then all of a sudden you add Ronaldo and you're just like, wow, things didn't get better at all. Like, we need this, we need that. And it's like, well, how do we go from being one piece away to needing to, you know, a whole revolution of the club, right? So it, it, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is with the financials and, uh, you know, the contracts and everything like that. I mean, if one good thing has come through all this, um, maybe it is the eye-opener for Juve as the discussion has come up now that they are probably going to self-administer a salary cap uh, system. Um, obviously, there's guys that are above the reported nine million. Um, you know, Delict, Ronaldo. There might be uh, one more in there. But uh, what does it do for DiBala? Because we know DiBala was uh, wanting more than ten mil. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think what it's going to be is it's not going to be so strict, set in stone, because Juve would just be shooting themselves in the foot unless the other giants did the same thing and imposed. Exactly. A- a uh, salary cap otherwise they're just going backwards so i think it's going to be more of a guideline for them and to be honest they need it because if we start looking at some of the money and you know i had this discussion with quite a few of because people know where i stand with alexandro and there's a guy making six 6.5 million and it's just for me i still see a guy that got outplayed by spinazzola that made barely one mil you know what i mean Exactly, uh, and I think Luca Pellegrini is going to come in, and I wouldn't be surprised if he takes his spot. And there's another kid with a lower salary cap. Sandro still holds good value. I move him. I take that financial gain, and I help boost another spot, whether it's in the midfield or it's in the right back. But take that gain because there's a couple options out there that you can pick up for left back. 
we we can pull Pellegrini in. Um, he's ours. Call recall him and take a swing at Telus for thirty mil. Take a swing at Palmieri for forty mil. You know what I mean? And just have yeah. like, but you'll still have that game because Sandro holds really really good value, and there's a lot of clubs that want him. So yeah. I just I take that I take that and you know take that financial gain, lower your salary at that position, and just kind of try to try to recover where you've um handcuffed yourself you know just make yeah. some changes i think i think it's gonna be difficult like i said I, th- I think it was the right thing to do i think everyone for the next couple of years is going to be handcuffed just because of the loss in revenue to all teams and especially looking at the half year report last night we already had a loss of 50 million up to december of last year and now you're saying I believe you said 120 or yeah. 150 around there. So 22 is what it was reported. Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be very difficult. And yeah, so we're going to have to make some really smart decisions. Um, but moving on, I know this terms, I've said it um, mo- multiple times, and a lot of people are talking about it J Corp. So I got a question for you. Does management really care that the stadium is turning into a theater like in England? And, you know, we're barely filling the stadium, it seems, even with the likes of Ronaldo. You look at the, the season ticket uh, numbers have come down. The, the uh, Serie A for last year or the half season had dropped by a few million, same with Champions League. So I don't know. It just seems like the issues with the Curva Sud and now having a broader fan base around the world is really kind of just exacerbating the whole situation. So what do you think? It's tough to, I mean, it's tough to answer that question when you say, do they care about the fans? I mean, as a fan, you would love to say yes. I mean, yeah, they care about the fans, but I think it's more of a, I think it's more of a Agnelli putting his foot down for you know, it's one of those punish them all for the few type scenarios where, you know, there are those guys that were wrong in what they were doing and he's making a stand um, against them. And unfortunately, it affects a lot of hardcore Juventini um, that did no wrong. You know, um, it, it's a really unfortunate situation. I mean, the part that I really, the part that really bothers me, though, is the fact that they will allow visitor fans to do what the whole all of that yeah that part i really really struggle with and it's hard to answer that question with a yes when you could be so blatant about it um and allow visitors to have their banners to have their noisemakers to do whatever and you're literally telling your faithful no you can't yep. bring that in. You can't do this. And it's just a, that's just honestly, you know, we've come on Agnelli's tenure. Um, exactly. And honestly, this is the one knock I honestly have. I mean, what he's done is fantastic. He's brought us back and, you know, where we need to be amongst the elite. But um, this is just one knock uh, for me that I just, it, it's it's a tough pill to swallow when you've been following the club for so long and you see what it's come to, right? Because you remember yep. before, 
you remember uh, the Stadio del Alpi, you know, you remember when Jay Stadium opened exactly. up, you know, and you see this gradual, you know, this drop and yeah, in every and, impassion and in, in everything. And, and I, I had a good discussion with uh, a Juventino actually um, today where we were talking about it and talking about the fans and talking about Yelly uh, and the club. And I said, this is my knock against him. It's just, it's a tough pill to swallow and I feel bad for the people that spend so much money to go that travel and they essentially are being robbed of what the experience should be in my yeah. opinion you know? yeah exactly and I think as a management you have to like especially with your hardcore fans either the ultra whoever you need to rectify that because you know I was listening to another podcast. I don't know if you know who Poet and Vuj is. They were on Copa 90. I used to watch a lot of their videos, and now they've kind of gone on their own. But they were speaking in terms of in England because they have a lot. Obviously, they have their tickets are even more than what they're charging in Italy. And they're saying a lot of these guys are making 25,000 pounds, 50,000 pounds a year, and they're spending 10 to 20,000 in travel, tickets, merch, yeah. whatever. And a lot of people, like, I get into a I, It really irks me when I hear people saying, yeah, but it's not the same price as in North America. And, and it's like, well, I don't see you guys at the games every weekend screaming your asses off. And, I mean, again, everyone, does, everyone shows their support. I mean, it is difficult to get to Europe. But these guys are literally dedicating their lives at the detriment of probably even their own families, right? They're not seeing their wife, their kids, whatever. And I think it's sad to see just some things kind of that I were interesting though. In 2017, Agnelli had that ban for selling tickets to the ultras. And obviously that was lifted and there was a game that was played behind closed doors. But then in 2019, there was that nationwide investigation where they were working with the the prosecutors to ban these like leaders. And again, like I said, there has been definite uh, issues with racism. And again, I don't think that it's fair to blame the whole, uh, the whole sector because it clearly isn't that, but it, it almost just seems suspicious how they almost called it. They were calling it blackmail in 2019 or, but they were literally selling tickets. So, I think really what the club needs to do as a solution is either go the Real Madrid route and just pay those fans in behind there, or you know just let it be and let it. I was gonna I was gonna bring up the whole Real Madrid thing because not a lot of people actually realize that that white sector um, for them behind the goal is actually all people that are paid by the club to yep. be there to do that. But how plastic is that though? Like that's just brutal. Like for me. My God! It's, well, I mean, pick your like, pick your pick your poison. Yeah. You know, you're you're paying people to do that, or you have silence. Like, I mean, pick your yeah. poison. I mean, let's just it's, it's it's see. You bring up the racism, and for me, it, it's the same. I mean, to punish everybody for a couple meatheads is just crazy to me, right? It's 2020. You know, same with racism. I mean, we have enough technology. You can pick these people out, get them out, give them their lifetime bans. And you know what? If there's people doing the same with tickets and creating issues that Nelly doesn't like, do the same. Don't punish the entire 
sector. Um, yeah. And no, no, but my, but my point with that I is wanna hear, I want to hear the players speak yeah. out, and we have. There's reports of guys like Dybala, um, I think Kelly as well, I think even Bonucci actually um, speaking up about uh, the involvement of the Curva and how they need them and want them going and whatnot, and that they hope that it um, yeah. resolves itself amongst the club. That right there, to get no reaction from the club, um, is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I, I just the the reason why I brought those two events up is because it just seemed that like it was an okay practice until law enforcement like got involved, right? Like they were giving away free tickets, which then sure they would go scalp them, right? Which is yeah. technically illegal everywhere. I mean, it's it's still done. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. When I go to a hockey game, you still see those guys waiting out there. But it's just the fact that there's really been nothing. And, you know, like everyone always says, well, screw the Kurva Sud and we don't need them there. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, I see it like this. If those guys don't renew their season tickets, we're not filling that stand. Yeah. Like if they – like. I mean, as as much as we like to say that we fill the stadium, it's it's tough when you have a fan base that's you know worldly, right? Like a lot of people can't take the time to go uh, to every home game or even every away game. So, like like I said, they could, and I'm surprised they haven't done it because there's been walkouts in England and and in various parts, and and some teams like for Liverpool, apparently it worked. Arsenal had a lot of. Uh, back and forth and it didn't really seem like anything changed but um yeah no it's it's a, t- a difficult situation man yeah I hope it's cleared anyway you slice it, it it's just a tough tough uh situation i mean we want to see it resolved but i mean i'm not holding my breath uh, at the fact of how long it's actually gone on um yeah. it's pretty pretty disappointing and i mean it, it it's tough uh for anybody to really you know, again, I understand Agnelli to a degree, but I just don't think he needs to punish everybody for it. That's all. And these fans, like, I mean, we have to realize that the Curva, the people that we're talking about are the ones that actually travel to away all the time. Like, they're spending a lot transportation-wise, accommodation, accommodation, meals and it's not just the tickets it's not just the ticket price it's everything and they're like diehard so to start taking away um you know the uh literally the beating heart of our sector in away matches and everything like that is pretty rough to think about you know um as a fan especially as you know, a, a diehard Juventino that's watched this club for so long. I mean, Jesus, who doesn't have these chants that these guys run on their cell phones? Like, I've yep. got a bunch on my phone, ringtones and stuff. Like, it, it's them, man. Like, they're they're the beating heart. I mean, I, I want exactly. to see it resolved. I want to see it resolved. And that's what's really what motivates the stadium. I mean, if you think of a, a game that comes to mind is that Atletico game at home. I mean... Thank God that they were that oh, yeah. they had changed their mind, but um, yeah. and then kind of like like you said, it is the ten we've had uh, you know a really successful ten years under Agnelli, 
um, yeah. compared to a lot of other clubs. You could you think where we were before he's he uh, was named the chairman, and the only thing that I kind of have been seeing again shades of really looking just for these bigger cash paydays and in terms of multiple times talking about a super league comments about clubs not deserving to be in the champions league basically to preserve capital like atalanta and i know some people contest what he really meant but that's to be debated um and I mean, really, if, if you look at him, he was a pretty smart businessman because he came at the perfect time. He had the name, he had the, the money, the history, and a club that has been relegated. So it almost seemed like it was the perfect scenario for him to make really a lot of money. But it just doesn't seem like... I know a few years ago, we had kept claiming that Champions League was the goal and then we would get knocked out and then it would be like, oh, well, we, we would renege on that for... I don't know. I, I, I think we need to, like I said, one criticism, like we said with Allegri, was that we need to say that we're contenders and we got to go. And I think management also had that where they weren't necessarily all in if it didn't go our way. And I don't know. I question that a little bit. That and the fans, I think my two biggest knocks, really, when it comes to Agnelli, I mean, the rest, he's done. he's done a pretty phenomenal job, like you said, from where we were. Absolutely, he has. Yeah, for me, the knock is uh, the fans. I mean, that situation's rough, and I mean, there's a bunch of little other scenarios that come up along the way, you know. And then when we we had to wait how long for fans to get reimbursed for their tickets when uh, the match went behind closed doors, things like that, you know. It's just for me, it's just. Uh, it leaves such a sour taste in your mouth, you know, after if you're a fan that, you know, I, I'm a kit collector, spend a lot of money on kits each year. I know you do as well. Yep. Um, you know, we, we join the fan clubs, you know, we, we spend money on the merch. We, uh, um, you know, there's the fans that travel out there once a year, sometimes twice to watch matches and stuff like that. And then when you do things like that, Oh my God, you know, like, Come on, it's just yep. it's it's so it's so disheartening, you know. Like you don't need that money, you know. Yeah. It's not going to make or break anything, you know. Like uh, I think the, I think the season tickets for the increase gave us two million extra. Yeah, <laughs> two million euros extra for the whole increase. It's, it's such a small piece of the pie. That's exactly. what really bothered me the most about when they came out with the first comment, the first release that was essentially uh, legal mambo jumbo for saying that we'll give you a discount at our online store. Um, yeah. That's essentially what the first one come out. And it was just like, I, I just remember thinking like, if I had a ticket, I would be so choked right now. And, you know, is it enough? Like there was some fans saying like, just, you know, essentially like, screw you, UV, you yeah. know, I'm so pissed off. Like, that's not enough for me to, like, ever, you know, uh, jump ship or anything. I don't think they'd ever do anything that would actually cause me to jump ship. But it definitely, definitely, like, is upsetting and just, like, so unnecessary, you know. But, yeah, it's those little things that uh, they start to, uh, they just start to, 
leave these bad feelings and start to feel that distance, you know, distance from the club. Yeah. So I think now, or just want to quickly touch on some uh, financials. Like I said, um, I almost kind of thought we, in a sense, dodged a bullet with this coronavirus in terms of our financials, because I'm I'm going to assume that FFP is probably not going to be as, let's say strict. I guess we'll, we'll find out what, what UEFA and FIFA are going to come up with. But, I mean, we were trending definitely to post a third consecutive loss, which would mean that we would be under sanctions of uh, financial fair play. But, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see what's going to happen in in the next year or two. But, yeah, definitely we got to get that in order. Um, just some interesting things, though, I did, like I said, I did read the... Uh, financials. I think when it comes to Juve and like in terms of the state of the club, I think there's certain things that we need. You know, we bring Ronaldo in for that presence, and you look at stadium rights, jersey apparel, jersey sponsorship, right? And I just kind of was generally looking through the numbers, and you know, we're we're doing pretty good for uh, for a big club, but. I think that's one thing that they really need to push more is just getting more money. It didn't really seem like the Ronaldo factor is really playing in because when you look at Jeep, yes, we did get a raise from 17 to 42, but that's our company or sorry, that's XOR's company, FCA's, right? So really you, it's not like someone was jumping like a fly Emirates who I believe give like, 80 million, you know, like crazy numbers for like Real Madrid. And again, we're built, it's building, like we can't jump too quickly. Like we've talked it's about kind in of the funny. past. It's kind of funny when you think about that though, like, cause Jeep is, uh, yeah, obviously XORs, right? And yeah. it's like, so, and Yelly owns obviously XOR. So it's like, you're taking it from one pocket and putting in another, but if you're going to do that, why not? Why is it 42? Like make it 90 or something like, you know, like make it to, to your advantage. Yeah. I, I don't know of, if there's just kind of what the, yeah, I don't know how the account, how that accounting were. And then depending because on part of your revenue, right? Yeah. Uh, the when fee is so all, those are all factors in uh, FFP, right? So yeah. Yeah, it, that that's the funny part to me is if you're gonna if you, you're in control of that anyways, yeah, like just use it to your advantage. It's just, it's kind of funny. And then you look at like Adidas, you know, we're on kind of that lower end. We got fifty million, which is it's still pretty good, but I think there's a lot of work. I mean, for us to get out of our our woes, I think there's a lot of work that we need to put in to get those numbers up towards the levels of the manus, the. Uh, you know, Real Madrid's, and that's what, that's what we definitely need to be striving. I think part of it is we need uh, the support of the rest of Syria. We need uh, yeah. we need the big clubs to get their head out of their ass and get back into the show, right? We need uh, Milan to, like, stop thinking about uh, yesteryear there and actually wake up and become a club again. Um, Merda, nice resurgence as much as we don't want to see it, it's actually good. Um, we need it. Uh, Lazio, we need them going strong. Roma, we need them going... We need Serie A to get back to the way it was in 
you know, the 90s, exactly. uh, early 2000s when it was essentially the balls. And that's what we need. That's the only thing. Because, like, if you think about all this that you're talking and you're bringing up, it's like, you know, how come a team that's won eight straight Scudetti, uh, you know, all these Coppa Italia is like, why are we so low? You know, and we're constantly in deep rounds in the Champions League. But you look at the money that these other giants make, and it's like, you know, why? Like the Premiership's got huge, huge TV. You know what I mean? Like so, exactly. they're just so overhyped. It's crazy, but it works, and it helps all those clubs. Oh, right? exactly. Yeah, um, just it helps with with everything across the board. Spain, La Liga. I mean, same thing. Like they just like they've got a good production. It's Syria is so poorly produced. Um, it, it it's crazy to me. Um, you know, all of us that follow and support it we know the truth you know we know the truth about the game and it's a fantastic league and everything but if you were to watch a match side by side from the spanish league or the premiership you will notice how nice the pitch looks how they juice the audio so it sounds like that stadium's just rocking right like you know and syria just doesn't have that production value you know and it's like we're in the stone age yeah, it's just, it's not there, right? But that's part of it. The other thing is the big clubs, you know, Milan's non-existent. Like we have to get, they have to come up in order for us to take the next step we want as well. Yeah, and I think I think in terms of competition, again, in terms of a brand and in terms of competition, it's always better to have teams, closer races and better teams in the league because it just does, it attract, it's obviously going to attract more fans. Now, Inter, I know I've I've heard your your opinion on the jerseys. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a uh, massive fan of the uh, the home jersey. I mean, sure we got our black black stripes, but it just looks like three Vespas drove over that Real Madrid kit, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, the kits I prefer. Like I thought back on this on couple of my favorite uv kits and they're a little more predominantly black um this one is just very very white to me it uh, looks a little pretty um and then the stripes are not the casual stripes i don't mind it though i mean it, it's is it the worst no not by a long shot um we got stripes it's okay for me that third kit is just awful it, like that halloween puke thing is just brutal <laughs> Like I, I just I don't even know what to say, but um, I don't know, man. It's uh, after a half and half kit. I mean, I think that's probably yeah, exactly. why it seem as bad. Yeah, exactly. I think Nike kind of got looking back. I think Nike kind of got lucky because third jerseys weren't really a thing until about I would say I don't know, 2010 and beyond. So we would recycle our away jerseys. Well, Nike into our third, and then Nike was notorious for like. Here's the thing, like it's funny because I'm coming up with a little something, a little project. I'm not gonna <laughs> let the cat out of the bag here, but uh, as I look through the jerseys and I look through um, Kappa, obviously was the king. Yeah, uh, but Nike and Adidas, you have such contrasting things here. Like Nike was. It was literally like I'm buying the same thing every year. 
like that was Nike's thing. Yeah. It was like, okay, instead of the black stripe being on the middle, now this year we're going to have the white one yeah. in the middle and the black. Like that's all they did. It was and just wider like, stripes, okay, diagonal stripes, whatever. Some blurry stripes now. Yeah. But it was like, oh, yeah, okay, black down the middle. No, now white down the middle. They were so simple. Oh, we'll put a collar on this one. Okay, cool. Adidas is just like – Adidas actually when they started had really, really nice kits for us. I got to say the first like few started years. Started strong. Man, they were stellar. Like that, I think it was 15, 16, all three were banging. Um, 17, 18 home kit. Man, that was nice because it was like a touch of ma- uh, of the old school yeah. with the white uh, cuff around here and the button up. Like really, really nice kits. Have they yeah, had their, that's the best one, I think. Have they had their misses? Oh, yeah. Have Has Nike had their misses? Oh, yeah. I think you just like if you look at the two, the overall bodies of work, I think honestly would even out. They both had some bangers. They both had some misses, but Nike overall felt like it was too much the same. And then Adidas feels like it's too sporadic all over the map. But overall, they both had some beauty kits. And Adidas has arguably had two of like, or no, sorry, they both arguably have had two of the best ever in the blacks. The Nike black with the white uh, armbands and then and then the Adidas black and gold. So, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up next year. But, uh, yeah, no, I guess back to black and white stripes. I kind of think we need to move in a, a direction towards, you know, I really like what PSG is doing with Jordan. I think it's given them a huge exposure. And obviously them being with Nike, it gives them that, that option. I think Adidas, though, also has a lot of brands that they could – Utilize like there is a Yeezy that is black and white that is called a zebra. There is, and then again, there's multiple brands, there's Supreme Kit. So, Palace, I was kind of disappointed that Palace was kind of, I don't know if that was more pushed by Adidas. And I don't know if you're how much of a hype beast you are if, if you're into all the streetwear, but um, yeah, no, it's, I, th- I think they, they really need to get towards that because. Look how successful the Palace drop was. And that was one drop. And I think really, you look at the 120th anniversary, you you drop anything that's going to look really nice. UV fans are going to come out in droves and buy it. So I think we need to kind of move towards those revenue streams because, again, you're bringing in the youth that are buying this like crazy. They're dropping big bucks on on all these shoes. And Juve's working it. I mean, every year you see more and more of these just special kits and, yeah. you know, like drops or whatever. So they're, they're working it. I think they're, they've picked up on that and they're definitely, it's not going to be the end of it. Uh, they're just going to push, push forward. The Palace stuff, I thought the Palace stuff was actually pretty slick. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think now kind of a, let's get into a, almost a black, the black sheep topic of uh Juve Twitter and you know there's there's been some uh fun times some back and forth and some blow-ups you know sometimes everyone turns into an asshole on Twitter I'm guilty of that (laughs) but um no I just I find there's a lot of now like from 2011 2010 on it almost seemed like we were this united front I wasn't as heavy on Twitter. Obviously, maybe the last five years been 
pretty steady. But like at the beginning, it almost seemed like ever like because we had a joint cause, right? Us against the world. We're gonna come back. We're gonna win all these trophies, and we're gonna stick it down your throat. And and then it almost seemed after once we hit the plateau almost of Cardiff, I find that's really. Really, when things started going sideways on UV Twitter, I mean, there was wars back and forth, Allegri out, this and that. The only thing, for me personally, the, what gets to me the most is just the, the amount of people that really need to go on there and, and state what a UV fan is and you have to be abiding by these guidelines and... Uh, you're not a Juve fan, hand your Juve, fan, Juve card in, you're a Milan fan, you're a Merida fan. And I just noticed that there's a lot of like, it's just, I don't know, it's just not really, it's petty, to be honest. It's like, why do we need to, why can't we just all be fans and have our opinions and yeah, we might not agree and if that's the case, go our separate ways and still cheer for our club and hope for, but I don't know. I just find too many people like bashing on like this so-called negative side ever since, like I said, people had problems with, we started uh, talking about Allegri and wanting him or him to move on. And it just, it seemed like it continues and now it's just a separate thing. And for me, it was really tough after last year because we almost got, we got our wish, right? All well, most of the season we were raving about moving on and going a new direction, and I find that I was just I didn't really feel for it. I find it was kind of the worst season cheering for Juve, in, in my personal opinion. And I felt really like I don't know, uneasy. And like at the beginning of this season, I was not really wanting to get back into it because it was just a constant like back and forth, back and forth. And then, and then everyone was getting on sorry, rightfully so. Again, like I said, everyone has their opinions on how we started. Did he have enough time? Not whatever. But it was just like, and I noticed even when I came on your podcast, like I just, it didn't, I was just like, I'd been going so hard defending a position and then just again and again. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Maybe give your opinion on how you've kind of seen this, this whole social space take off um so i'm relatively new because i've only been on twitter since start of the season in 2018 and um yeah i mean the one biggest thing i will say because when i I, it was one thing that's like i noticed right away is everybody kept this sheeps and cheer like you know here's the sheeps and the cheerleaders and oh no here's the here's the negative people you know oh they're just the uv bashers they're not true fans there was a lot of that when i first come in um anybody who's familiar with my pod and everything i mean it was never about sides for me i mean we're all even teeny how we choose to support and how we choose to um you know follow the club that's our own individual prerogative and we're entitled to do it in any way, shape or form that we wish. Um, and I've always believed that. Um, and my podcast has always been open to all you and Tini, no matter what your opinion is. And, um, I spent a lot of, uh, 2018 when I first, uh, kind of hit the scene there getting people 
on purpose from both sides. I would go back and forth from one extreme to the other. And I would play for a lot of my first season on the pod devil's advocate and just combat it and say, you really, you know, and you would see how these people would open up, you know, their point of views and actually say, yeah, you know what, that does actually make sense. I just think, uh, I think just naturally with social media, it's very, very easy to just, um, get defensive and get your back up against the wall if someone's kind of coming at your opinion because you're always not doing this. You know what I mean? Exactly. So when people come on the podcast, it's a lot different when you're face-to-face talking to somebody and you're hearing their voice um, because you grasp that that context. Um, Whereas, you know, sometimes we're quick, we're on the phone or something and we're responding, we're putting a tweet and, you know, seven different people can read a tweet seven different ways, you know? Um, And that's the kind of stuff that happens. But I will say that I have noticed a big shift. Um, And I was actually talking to somebody about this probably about two or three days ago that um, I feel the negativity is down a lot. There are moments here that fuel it here and there. Uh, Little sparks will come up, little battles uh, will happen and, I mean, that's normal, um, but uh, overall, in general, it's a much, much better um, platform on Twitter and much more um, open to the multiple views and opinions, and there's a lot less attacking. Um, and honestly, I think it's just because Allegri's gone. I think Allegri just created this crazy, crazy tension where it was just you were either with them or against them there there seemed to be no in between you know it was just literally like allegri from one end to the other and it was just like you're on this side you're on this side and here was poor alberto smack dab in the middle trying to (laughs) trying to make a podcast out of this uh but yeah i think it's overall it's been a lot better i mean it's one thing that um I've always, uh, you know, prided myself and the all UV cast for was that uh, I never, uh, never cared where you stood on opinion. I never cared. I never have. I still don't. If people agree with me or disagree with me, um, it's everybody's own opinion and they're entitled to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was kind of what really drew me is when you were so accepting to even just over a DM get onto a podcast that's like wow that's like such a a huge honor right because you know you have your bit your joe rogan's your and i mean i would never expect to be on a a podcast like that so when someone is like you know hey i want to hear what you're thinking tell us why you're pissed off about this game tell us why we played such a great game you know to me it was such an honor and you know i find that there's a lot of uh i think now that juve has gone quite big there's a lot of content going out there, and I think a little bit too, there is some defensive, uh, maybe natural, because you're putting your craft out there, and hey, look, now there's three others doing, and you know, for me, this is just, like you said, it's just, a, it's fun, and, and talking to a bunch of people about what you love, and again, I hope to bring some of the people that uh, I've uh bumped heads with let's say yeah. and 
I, th I think it's a lot easier. And like you said, you said it perfectly. Context, you know, from someone liking a tweet, every other tweet in a in a chain of tweets without a comment, yeah, is what gets you off. Gets you just boils your boils your uh, your blood. But it was just you know certain moments, you know. And then there's other fans telling fans about not them losing money because Juve has such an archaic system is okay and it's your fault. And then you wonder why you're getting pissed off on Twitter. And then you you see these big accounts liking and then you wonder why you're, yeah. you're blowing up. But um, no, yeah. like I said, I would love to have lots of different opinions on. And again, yeah. I think that was a great idea. And, um, the yeah. one thing is, you know, you, you know, you're you're going through this and you're getting into it now, which is awesome. It's great to see. Um, you know, one thing that, yeah, uh, you, you know, you just you got to be prepared that you're putting yourself out there. And exactly, uh, I can uh, I could probably write a book with the things that I've heard and had to read and whatever with people coming at me. But honestly, just the one thing is, um, do you, you know, do what makes you happy. You have a huge amount of passion for Juve, you know, ride that out. Don't let anybody stop you. And just remember that each and every day is what you make it. Not yep. when someone else, like, don't let someone else affect you whatsoever, man. No, you know? because at the end of the day, they're not the ones paying for you to fly out, to watch games, to buy jerseys, to buy subscription membership. That's all on you. So, no, I agree 100%. It's... It's time to move on and just focus on and yeah on yourself and collab with good people and make Absolutely. good content. And the biggest thing is, is just don't try and be anything you're not. You know, I just I've always you know I think it's one of the things uh, I hear a lot um, from people uh, is they just they can appreciate that uh, what you see with me is what you get. You know, the people that have talked to me on Uve chats, the people that have you know called in, and we've just chat uve or whatever the instagram lives i do or you know yeah. now there's going to be a twitter live on the weekend like just what you see is what you get all the time with me you know um and that's the biggest thing man just the genuineness right so just be uh who you are and you'll do great man you'll do great yeah so kindly you know speaking of passion it was almost like a perfect segue into mm -hmm. uh the final topic of the night. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted to find something that was different in, uh, in terms of just saying when you become a fan. I know a lot of people have thought you've done a lot of them. So I'm not going to get you to say why you became a UV fan. Um, I think a lot of the people that are going to listen are going to know that. Yeah. And if, if not, check out all UV guests. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah. But something kind of cool I wanted to do is just, you know, bring up the nostalgia and, Talk about when you have gone to the stadium, the first time you've gone to the stadium and kind of, you know, just tell us about the atmosphere and kind of some things you remember and some good things, some bad things. Let it rip. So for me, I've only been to the stadium once. Um, and it's uh, Jay Stadium, Allianz Stadium. Um, and it was in 2018. I was on my uh, honeymoon with my wife and uh, we took a trip through Italy and uh, we picked up tickets for Juve versus Milan, um, the match where Benucci made his uh, return. And uh, we had uh, incredible seats, but uh, we did the stadium tour and uh, that's how 
essentially my podcast started. Um, taking the stadium tour in, waiting in this line and um, just conversing with these people from all over the world um, because you're waiting in line to get to go to this tour and you're waiting for a while. So naturally you're just going to spark up a conversation, yeah, yeah. you know, or people are um, asking questions, something you very related. And then I listen in and I'm like, Oh, you know, and then naturally a discussion breaks out. So you start meeting people all over the world. And um, I love that. So when I got back home, I like, instantly missed it as the season got closer and closer like because that season was coming to an end yeah, and then yeah. throughout that summer you know the transfer market and stuff and you start ramping up and i'm like man i just i wonder what everybody's thinking wonder what not and then i got turned on to twitter by a buddy of mine who uses it heavily for nfl oh. um, he told me i was like you should check out twitter so i did and then you know I find some other podcast stuff like that and i'm like well it's just not quite the same because I need to reenact what I lived through when I was there. And that's the actual people, you know, in the grounds all over the world, like just want to get a point of view. And that's why I started uh, the all UV cast. Um, But the feeling there was honestly, like it was surreal. I mean, take the stadium tour and uh, everything about it is like, uh, you know you're in a dream almost because yeah. you know for me Juve is all I've ever known uh, since I've been a young kid because of my father yeah. uh, I remember being so young and it's like games are on at three in the morning four in the morning here and I could hear him yelling from the living room and I'd get up and walk out in my pajamas and it's like what do you you know what's going on he's just watching a game but like you'd think an intruder came in the house or, or you know like what the hell's my dad fighting in the living room with some guy like a burglar or something like what's going on um he's just watching uv and then i'd sit down there and you know we'd watch games and he'd talk to me about players and stuff like that and then as i got older it just it became the thing that's what we do on the weekends we watch uv and then um yeah i mean you're paying for your ticket you're going through the museum and even just the wall you know black and white with the letters juventus you know just it's cool. And then you walk in and you see this, um, these glass cases with, you know, Ferrara, Del Piero, like all these guys, you know, um, Sharia, you see the Ballon d'Ors, you know, um, and it's just, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it all hits, it all hit me at once. One, and, yeah. You know, it all hit me at once and it's like, it, it just, brought back all these memories of it's a holy shit moment and yeah it's it, it's crazy you know and then you know at the end of the tour you know you walk in this room and um it's just 360 screens and ceiling and stuff and then they just play this video montage on uv and like you just get crazy goosebumps and you know the hair on your arms rises and it, it's it's wild man it's wild and then that's not even the game you know, like yeah, exactly. Sudden, you know, it's it's game day, the following day, and um, oh man, like we spent time in uh, Turin, so we just 
you know, saw some sights, had a bite to eat, uh, walk in the streets, you know, and then we get back to uh, a B&B that we stayed right across the road from the stadium. Um, awesome, awesome family run place uh, with a unreal restaurant underneath that turns into a nightclub as well. Like it was awesome. Oh, shit. Sure. It was awesome. So then we go, we, we go across cause it's like gotta be two and a half hours, three hours to game time. And like, I could hear from our yeah. room. Like, I was just like, we, we got to go. And she's and I was like, well, the game has started for like hours. I'm like, yeah, it's, I can hear them. Like, let's go. And yeah, you're just walking out there. There's, there's people just drinking beers, like having panini, like just hanging out. And it's just, it's a good time, you know? And, eventually comes a time where you say okay let's kind of somewhat beat the rush just to get in because we don't we don't know that was the first time exactly. we've never been to a game so we go in there go through the clearance i was kind of glad we did it a little bit sooner because yeah i got crammed pretty quick get through and then uh, you find your gate and man walking through was just like still unbelievable you know because like you're looking at this little square in this uh entrance and you get closer and it's getting bigger and bigger and you see the green and then you see you know the white seats in the back and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it's like you finally step out and you're just like boom and you're just like holy shit you know yeah. like for a guy you know it's like hitting a wall yeah man like it just smacks you right in the face and from a guy coming from you know Kamloops BC in Canada it's a hell of a long trip to get there and uh it's bucket list stuff for me right so you know you get there and then it's like boom everything and instantly you're just soaking up everything the players come out you know thunderstruck plays the players come out they warm up and uh you're watching the kids like running to the glass so our seats were um just off center seats one and two front row um so we were oh, right sure. there like smack dab against the um right where that class is yeah and uh it was unbelievable the milan fans were in first in their sector and they were so loud it was unbelievable and then uh obviously once the curva came in and then they went they just went back and forth with chance and it was like i just had my cell phone going steady i remember it yeah and it was just it was incredible man and then uh came the time of the actual match to start and my god man i think uh like even warm-ups I've started getting like kind of more because you see Buffon out there and he's uh yeah. you know clapping his hands for the curva and stuff and uh you know just giving them the thumbs up and stuff and acknowledging them and then uh they come out to play the match and uh man the match starts and Dabala scores eight minutes in uh quick little quick turn short ripper uh short side beats Donnarumma and man right there you know uh Paolo, Ibala, you know, and everybody's screaming and and man, I just I I was losing my mind, you know. And right at that moment, you know, like my dad texts me and man, I got emotional for you know a couple minutes because like it's the guy, like you know, no disrespect to my wife, I loved having her there, but I mean, I would like you know, I definitely definitely Uve with my father and all those memories, and I got a little emotional, right? Um, and I'm hoping that one day I can take him there, but it's, uh, it's something that, you know, 
and this is why we get back to the fans and the atmosphere and everything, because this is pretty recent, but the atmosphere was still incredible. Um, part of it had to do with Bonucci's return, you know, and it was just a feisty oh, yeah. atmosphere. Um, and it, it was awesome, man. And the people sitting around me, it was almost like my dad was there because these older Italian gentlemen, and it just, I felt right at home, um, you know, and we're high-fiving after the goals. And, you know, I can hear them yelling. I can hear them saying things about Allegri. And I'm like, man, it really does feel like my dad's here. <laughs> um, but it's cool. It's just, it's something that's why, like, I, you know, I, I have concerns about what it's like for, you know, fans currently going and if they're getting that full value. You know, yeah. because when it's like that on nights like those, you can't beat it. You can't no. beat it. And, you know, like a Champions League one, like, my God, I've talked to people who were there with Atletico and I could only imagine. Or even uh, Real Madrid, the semifinal. Yeah. Like, that's, no, that, that's, that's, that's next on the list. And, but yeah, like, I couldn't even imagine. I don't even know if I'd be able to, like, I would just be. <laughs> Again, I would be in tears the whole time. I don't even know how I would react. It's have you like, been? Yeah. So again, I've only been to the stadium, and I've had you know a lot of those same same feelings and emotions. But for me, from 2015, 2016, I'd worked up north, Fort McMurray, Alberta, in uh, oil and gas. So I was able to buy myself a Fiat 500, put money away in savings, and have a nice uh, European uh, vacation for about two months. So. I was with my with my classmates for about ten days in Switzerland, and that was coming up for about I believe it's about the two week mark before you can buy tickets. So my buddy was like, "Yeah, no, I'm gonna come with you to Turin." This guy doesn't really watch sports, but he was like, "Yeah, let's go, let's do it." I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Now the beautiful part about Juventus is even if I'm J1987 member, I can't buy him a ticket. So I had to wait all the way until the general admission because that's the only way you're going to get tickets. So full credit card with nothing on it, ready to go, sitting in a hotel in Basel. Okay, here we go. We're going to buy those tickets. Type everything into Liz ticket. Nothing. First time, nothing. Some seats go away. Nothing the second time. Nothing. I'm like, they're going to make me call TD. Can the bank I have. Pretty much by the time I call them, I get back in. Boom, sold out. And this was the last game of the season in 2015-16. So that was going to be the trophy ceremony. So again, it's a, it's a game that is going to sell out pretty quickly, right? A lot of people are going to want to go. And so I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm like, oh, we booked everything to Turin, to Torino, and now I'm not going to be able to go. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I start talking to Maurizio from around Turin. He's like, well, there's a couple options I can... See, I know it's going to be a, a game that's very important, so it's, it's going to be tough to find seats. But And then I just took, you know what, I said, you know what, for some reason, I was like, let's just go with Via Gogo. I know I've heard so many bad things about it, but I'm like, you know what, you only live once, and I don't know when I'm going to be back here next, and I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been, been able to go back. But... And so I go on there, I buy a ticket. I think it, it worked out to about four seventy-five, five hundred Canadian dollars, and it seemed like a, a pretty decent seat. So I, I finish up with that trip. We end up going to London and then Milan. So we're in Milan. I get an email from Via Gogo, and they're like, "You have to please send me your passport." And I'm like, "Oh, here we go. This is where it starts." 
So I send him my passport. Okay, before the game, can you please meet at the hotel at this hotel called Hotel Master? And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, in Torino, Hotel Master. This sounds like sketch. This is already sounding like something's gonna go wrong. So I'm nervous for the next. Then all of a sudden, Juve decides to move the game from Sunday to the Saturday. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so just throw my whole, all my, my train tickets, my hotel. So I talked to Luca, who's at the Hotel Pontes. Again, hilarious guy, great host. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to come in a day or I'm going to have to have an extra night, no problem. Buy a new train ticket. I'm like, Eric... I know you didn't. I know you really wanted to, to go to this game, but I don't know if you're gonna want to spend these kind of prices on these tickets. I'm just gonna go. I'll meet you in in Torino, and it, it was crazy. So next day, I get up really early, get on the train, and me not thinking the games at like I believe it was like one o'clock or one thirty, and I'm like, shit. Well, the train's gonna get there at twelve. So I'm like, okay, I gotta get all my luggage, throw it in, get to the hotel which I planned out all by like bus. I, for the life of me, I couldn't find to get a bus ticket. So I just said, fuck it. I got on, I got onto the train and just sat there and I was like praying. I was like, please, no ticket guy come stop me and give me like a, like this, this massive fine, nothing. It was, it was at least like an hour and a half. This from, uh, I think it was Porta Nova to where the hotel is. Get there, throw everything. I'm already nervous as good. Like as one, I don't have the tickets. And so the blood pressure's through the, the the roof. Me, Luca, and I'm like, Luca, just can you please call me a cab? I, I got to get to the stadium. I got to see if I can get these tickets. And he's like, no, no, wait, there's another fan who's also here. And I was just like, no, just give me, just get me in the cab, get me in the cab. So I went upstairs. I threw everything through on my Juve jersey, was in shorts, get in the cab, go to this place called Hotel Master, which is like on the corner of Corso Grosseto, which is like right on the corner of the stadium. So I get out of the car, I pay the, the cab, and I walk into this bill walk up, and I'm like, okay, well, let's see. Walk up the stairs, I see the like this kind of like flag of like Via Gogo. So I'm like, okay, that's looking a little bit better. Knock on the door, and the guy's like, and I I'm speaking to an Italian, and he's like, okay, come over here, let me see your passport, whatever. Gives me an envelope. I see the ticket name. Uh, birthday, because you got to make sure, guys, if, yeah. you're, if you're going there, make sure your full name matches your ID and you have your birthday, or else you're going to get problems at the gate. As soon as I was like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to feel a lot better. I went to meet up with Maurizio and from around Turin and a whole bunch of other UV fans. It was unbelievable. We're drinking beers and just chilling in, in front of like the food trucks they have there and the different memorabilia. Yeah. And then... Um, so yeah, we're talking and Maurizio's like, you better start going or you're not going to want to miss the pregame. Like you said, it's, you got to get there. And I didn't know that you had to go to a specific gate. It's not like here where you can pretty much go in any gate and then walk around the stadium there. It's all divided. So I walk around, it starts pouring rain. <laughs> Finally get into the stadium. Like you said, exactly the same. You walk through, you see that little window of, of light and you just walk in there and it was just like holy shit i can't believe i'm doing this right now it's, it's walk awesome. down i think i was i think i was fifth row or third row uh, on the tribuna est uh, lateral and 
So I walked home to my seat and there was these two like youngsters, right? And I think one of them was in my seat and I was like, I speak to him and obviously in Italian and I say, you know, that's my seat, right? And I don't, I don't know if they were like, if they had come down because they wanted to, to get better seats, but they kind of were like, uh, I don't know, they were looking around, seeing if anyone was going to like, and apparently no one came to those seats. So I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. They seem pretty cool. And then again, like you said, Thunderstruck comes on, the players come out for warm-up, and um, yeah, it's, it's surreal. They go back in and... At the beginning of when they they do that little light show at the beginning, yeah. and then um, the players come out right. Everyone puts their their scarves up and sings "Una storia di un grande amore," and that's where I started. That's where I really got emotional. It was crazy, and but then the the thing was is I had been so quick to get there. I didn't even think of bringing a scarf. Like I it just, I had like four in my carry on and I didn't have it. I'm like, Oh shit. That's, that's kind of sad. And then I look over to my left and those, those two kids are like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to hold up the other end? And I was just like, like what a moment. Like, and we just, you know, we sang our hearts out and then, yeah, like you said, it was honestly the perfect game. The script couldn't write itself five, nothing against Sam. That's awesome, man. Um, Doppietta, Dybala Doppietta, Evra scored, Chiellini scored, Bonucci. Unfortunately, Marquisio got injured at the end of the season there. So I couldn't see him play, which is kind of disappointing. But, you know, again, nothing could really take away from that. And Skriniar got uh, a red card that game. You know, the big mouth from Merda. And, uh, yeah, no, that was... And then, after all of that, to top it off, they handed us the trophy that night. So they bring out all of the fanfare, all of the the fireworks and, and stuff like that, and they announce the players. And again, like just when you when you're yelling out the player's name, it's 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 great. In in real life, it's a it's another experience. Yeah. And yeah, no. And then and then. All of the fans decided after the players were bringing the trophy around. Another surreal moment, and I believe it was um, what's his name from Juve Chicago. One of the members jumped on the field, and then they all rushed. There, and Barz- I know Barzali was pissed because <laughs> yeah, obviously he has his family on the field, right? And they have all the kids around, so they're all sprinting to go back and. No, that was great. And then again, we all went out to eat dinner after that. And again, with some great UV fans, Farah from Indonesia awesome. and Maurizio and stuff like that. So it, it honestly was a great experience. And then again, next day, go to the tour and all seeing all that stuff is, is unbelievable. And again, for anyone else, you got to go. I know obviously we're in this, these horrible times, but honestly, you will not regret spending the money, even if, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more and sweat it out for a little bit, but you know, yeah. try your best to get those tickets, and you'll have, uh, you know, hopefully get to get that experience again in the near future. Yeah, I'm hoping to uh, make another trip. Hopefully, once everything settles down. Oh, and there was no parade because of management. <laughs> I think we had the Coppa Italia the week after, but yeah. that's okay. It was still, but anyways, Al. You know, um, it was it was great to have you on for this first podcast. Um, 
yeah, no, it's just it seems so natural just talking about Juve and you know, I obviously you're more than welcome to come on whenever whenever you need to uh be a little bit hidden but get your nerves going. <laughs> Don't say it on the main account. Appreciate it, man. It's nice but, when uh, uh, somebody takes over all the organization and running everything. I like just sitting here and chatting UV. I love it. Yeah, I definitely I definitely can appreciate that. It's like getting <laughs> research and getting making okay. sure you have enough to say and stuff like that. But anyways, you know, obviously your socials, if you go ahead, drop your socials. If you guys don't know who this guy is, please check him out. At all you all you cast at striped arts apparel on you Twitter, betcha. YouTube. It's all the same on all platforms, yeah. Yeah, you betcha all you cast. Um you'll find it on Instagram. Um Twitter's the most active Twitter where if any Uventini wanna actually reach out to be guests on the show, on the podcast, uh, or some of the fun videos we do, fan focus videos. I am going to start doing uh, some lives uh, occasionally on the weekends and bring in a guest. Um, and that way we get more interaction and uh, you can ask questions on the spot and we'll answer them and just have a lot of fun. Um, and obviously, yeah, Striped Hearts is on Instagram as well and uh, on Twitter and just having fun with that, creating wallpapers for all the Eventini. Uh, we got the shirts going with proceeds going to a rotating carousel of charities. And, um, yeah, there's going to be future drops. And, again, it'll just be um, either moments and or stars uh, uh, present and or past. And we just vote on the designs and see what the Juventini of the world want. And uh, we put them into production. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, and for me, it's uh, at Daniel Negro for my personal account. And, um, again, you guys don't want a, you know, I gave away a Marquisio jersey at 300, I believe. You know, I'm trying to get up to 500 on that one, and I don't know. It's if no one wants this uh, this beautiful oh. Del, Pier- Del Piero. I mean, again, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you guys. So hopefully, we can get at Daniel Negro on Twitter to 500 followers. And um, for this podcast, it's going to be mainly on at Juventinita D A L. On Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I believe this is going to be going on YouTube first, and then we're going to hopefully get it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud as soon as possible. And uh, also, before I forget, um, if you guys follow my account for this podcast, we are going to be giving away one of these beauties of your choice. Um, And yeah, you will also... By uh, winning that, you also can be in, entered into Al's uh, draw on Friday to be uh, to win a Palace jersey, which is a beautiful kit. So hit that, hit that subscribe, hit that follow, and um, until next time, guys. Fino alla fine. We'll see you later. Ciao, forza Juve.